0: Welcome back to the Golf Live Faith Podcast. My name is Jace Barber, one of the hosts. Our, my co-host, Toby Ragland, just wrapped up playing in the USJ Mid-Am. A uh, really cool accomplishment. We have another staff guy who made it to match play, Travis Wolf. That's pretty sweet. But today on the podcast, we have a really special guest, uh, Wilco Nienaber from South Africa. Uh, you probably know of him because he hits the ball about 500 yards. I'm super pumped to have him on the pod. Uh, but replacing Toby, kind of coming in uh, to help me, is Nori Steen, our CGF staff in Atlanta. Welcome, boys! Glad y'all are here. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Wilco, where are you right now? Like, cause we're you know, uh, Nori's in Atlanta. I'm in Gainesville. You must be on the same time zone, right? I am definitely not. Um, I've got I've got two weeks off. Or actually. Um,
1: unfortunately, I've got a week off because I'm waiting for my Schengen visa, which allows me to actually go to European countries, um, which is expiring soon. So I'm waiting on my new one. Um, so therefore, I can't compete in Italian Open this week. Um, so I Man. am currently at home in Bloemfontein,
0: South Africa. So what what time is it over there right now? It is now just going to 3 p.m. Wow, 3 p.m., 9 a.m. over here. Nori, what's yeah. up?
2: Yeah, thank you, man. That's awesome. I was just uh, thinking about how do I explain to people where Bloemfontein is? Uh, I have the perspective that maybe no one else has, is somebody who knows where both uh, Atlanta, Georgia, Gainesville, Florida, and Bloemfontein, South Africa <laughs> is.
0: And so um, that's the thing I didn't mention is that Nori is on staff with CGF, but he is South African as well. But also, you have some news, Nori, don't you? Yes,
2: man. Yeah, Volker, I have a way for you to bypass that Shenzhen uh, visa situation. If you become an American citizen, uh, you can, uh, you know, <laughs> you no longer need that, which, uh, yeah, a little bit of a crazy week for me, but that happened this week and it was pretty exciting. So, oh, congrats. Uh, yeah, thank you. It's a, it's a proud moment. I mean, just, it was a little bit surreal uh, after, uh, you know, 9 11 on Sunday. And then on Monday, I walked out as a citizen. So that was pretty cool. But yeah. uh, no, there, I was thinking about this. Uh, Volko is that in America the the, the state that represents where Fontaine would be is this area here probably called Kansas or Oklahoma to <laughs> where it's it's flat. Uh, it gets very hot in the summer.
0: Or in the middle I, of our I, country. Uh when you said it gets very hot, my internet went unstable for some reason. So start back at it gets very hot. Okay. And then just keep going. All right. Okay. And three, two. Yeah. So in Blue Fountain, it gets very hot
2: and, uh, and it gets very cold, just like in Kansas or in Oklahoma, where the summers are extreme uh, and so are the winters. And so... Uh, Volker, yeah i don't know i guess what's the what's the temperature's uh in bloemfontein at this moment
1: at the moment um it's just going into into summer so it's starting to warm up um in the mornings it's quite chilly you need you need a jacket or two um and then by about 2 2 or 12 till 2 3 p.m. um it's it's quite nice probably about 20 to 25 degrees celsius um and then it gets cold in the evening as well so the temperature that we've got here at the moment is, is really nice. Um, I, I don't really like, um, higher than, than 30 degrees, um, Celsius, but, um, <laughs> that's, that's quite a, a tough ask wherever you go. So, um, that's how it is here now.
2: Yeah. Do you guys in Bloemfontein, do you have uh central heating and air? Do you have uh, like an air conditioner or a heater? Uh, uh
1: we, we've got, we've got air cons, uh, most of the, most of the places, um, because it, it really gets warm and um, I think a, a heater won't won't help in the summer um, yeah, like, sure. like the UK really they they just have uh, they just have um, heaters most of the places and no aircon so I've had a couple events there that that it's a heat wave and you're staying in a really expensive hotel and there's only heaters no aircon Um and wow. that is horrendous. So, <laughs> wow. Um, wow. yeah, most most of most of us, I think, as um, air cons.
2: Wow. Well, that's awesome. Well, Wilker, tell us, um, give us a short little uh, introduction. Uh, where did you grow up? Um, you know, and then give us maybe a current state of affairs. You know, everything from the history of where you got to where you are today, and then kind of what's the the current uh, status of both, just you professionally, where you're at. Um, where you be? Pl- where will you be playing this next year? Um, so yeah, maybe give us just a, a short background story and maybe
0: some uh, future plans. Like what is yes, what, yeah. what is your what, what are your future goals
2: and
1: aspirations too? Okay, so currently, obviously, I like I said, I live in uh, Bloemfontein. Um, so Bloemfontein is three and a half hours south of Johannesburg. They call it Central South Africa because um, it's pretty much in the middle. Um, and honestly, there's not much to it. Uh, the the thing that brought me to Bloemfontein is is the school. Um, it's it's really known for the good schools. Um but before we came here, I I was actually I was born in Bloemfontein, um, but we we didn't live here. Um, I grew up in a, a small town which is another two hours um, south, which is called Alowell North. Um, That's where I grew up. Um, I went to um, primary, so junior school. Um, I think it's what you guys call it. Um, Until the age of 10, I went in Adderall North and I played. I grew up doing pretty much everything um, sport related. Um, I love sport. I did athletics, um, played cricket, which is unfamiliar to you guys. It is, uh, it's, some other form of uh, baseball <laughs> probably um i know a little and, bit about
0: it just because nori you know big fan i've watched yeah. a lot of matches with nori at different <laughs> retreats okay
1: <laughs> um and i i played rugby as well and i played tennis um and then what happened was the only little golf course in ellawall north is a nine-hole golf course but it is a really cool golf course um, it's proud members and they spend a lot of money to actually keep it going um, but we had to make a decision on actually furthering my sporting career at that age, if, if I can call it that. Um, so I then decided to, um, before I say that, sorry, I've got two sisters, um, both older, and they, they came to school in Bloemfontein um, to a school called Urania, like uh, the, the color orange.
2: Um so that's the school's name. Um, but, for, but for reference, Jace, the, that it's a in this town there's Aranya and, and one or two other big goal schools, and then the school Great College where uh, Volker went. And in South Africa, it's just no it's one of the best schools. Um, if you, I mean, think about it, like uh, American football is in America. This is a big rugby school, so wow. it's kind of like if you play for the first rugby team of the school, uh, you probably have a high likelihood of playing for the national team. It's it's just a, a very prominent. Yeah institution and has been for years and so that's kind of when he was you know saying how he was going to go there specifically to play sports
0: uh, it's a big deal it's like a big academy wow. like img yep. would be in sarasota bradenton yes PG. but
2: but it's still a public school though so not it's true. not a oh, private, cool. not yeah. private I mean, yeah. yeah oh yeah. that's neat yeah.
1: so um my sisters went to that school and um that was their high school and um, they started going to the school and they went to a boarding school so um, I was still in a North and then for one one uh, weekend there was a sporting weekend against another top school and uh, we call it interschools and um, I went there and we wanted to go watch the rugby game, the first rugby team of gray college playing um, and I went with and I I was amazed uh, on what what happened and, and that school and I said to my dad well please can I come here and then the next year I actually went there. Um, and then I stopped playing rugby um, because it was a really good rugby school. Unfortunately, I, I stopped because I was, at that moment I knew I, I preferred golf. Um, so I didn't want to really take any chances with with um, injuring myself, but I kept on playing tennis and, um, and cricket. I did a bit of athletics to just keep fit as well. Um, so, I, I went to, to boarding school for about a year, and then that was quite tough um, to actually get to the golf course because if if the staff had a staff meeting, then the bus doesn't go to the golf course in the afternoon. Um, so, turned out we actually moved from Allowell North to Bloemfontein. Um, my parents' or my dad's office is still in Allowell North, still till, till today. Um, they are there at the moment, him and my mom. Um, so we just moved, by, or they just moved for us for the schools, um, and that's how I how I ended up in Bloemfontein. Um And the plans now um, is we're building a house in George, so we'll probably um, move to George's area, and that's where Nori is from as well. But uh, the main reason for that is probably just um, when I do come back home. Um, that is like the the golfing area of South Africa with really nice golf courses, um, and we've always really liked the area. Um, so that's that's that. Um, then yeah. the golfing side, the golfing side. Um, geez, I I probably started playing because of my dad. Um, he he started playing golf quite late when he met my mom. Um, he went to the police because um, back then you had the option of you had to go to the police or the army. Um, and my dad went to the police because his dad was in the police back then. Mm-hmm. Um, and his dad didn't want him to play golf because um, it was really expensive and and they didn't have much. Um, so when he, when he met my mom, um, he started playing golf uh, for the police um, as a club team or whatever. And obviously I cannot remember it, but I can only see pictures where I'm in my nappies chipping around, um, when my dad is in the garden actually hitting chips and pitch shots. Um, That's awesome. and my, my first set of golf clubs, I don't know if it's, uh, if it's familiar in, in the States as well is is called little tiger. Um, so my dad got me the absolute smallest clubs possible. And then he shortened them as well. Um, <laughs> So we actually, I think it was a wedge, a pitching wedge, um, and nine, a seven iron, and then one wood. Which and the set was blue. So um, one wood and a putter, um, and that's how I started. Um, I see on pictures when when I when it comes up that I actually played reverse grip, like cack handed. Nice. Because uh, I didn't trust my dad the way he was doing it was wrong. I thought. Um, <laughs> And But it was probably just because I mirrored my dad, so it looked like that was the way. Um, anyway, so that's how I started, and um, I I was coached by my dad uh, for a long time. Um, and I, I do think that that is a big contribution on why the ball goes so far, um, because from a young age, I wasn't taught very technical. I was just taught to absolutely just make contact and, and <laughs> let it go, Um so, so, so Volker, I feel like that's, us, that's the I, South
0: African way, you know, hit it far yes. and figure it out later. Yes. <laughs> is.
2: yes. Volker, so tell us, at what point did you realize my ball goes further than my friends? Like it, it, when I hit it, it, it seems like the next shot they hit before I hit, you know, when did that moment <laughs> kind of come into play yeah. for you? At what, like at, was it was in high school or when, you know, when did you start kind of realizing, you know, I'm not doing anything different because we all know, you know, those who haven't seen you swing, go look, you know, go Google Volker or YouTube as videos because you'll see the ball go 500 yards, but it still seems like you swing pretty, pretty, pretty normal. You don't, yeah. yeah, it's smooth. It's kind of like the typical, you know, all of us grew up with Ernie uh-huh. as the big easy. And so it seems like, you know, yeah, it just, it just looks, it just looks easy for you. And so when did you realize, yeah, oh. that the ball goes further?
1: It's it's quite a, it's quite a nice story because everything follows on each other. I think um, so. When when I when we moved to Bloemfontein, when I came to Grey, um, we went from one province which is called Border. So the actual border, one province is called or state as you guys call it is Border, um, and then we moved to Bloemfontein, which is then the Free State. Okay. Um, and we've got a little joke between the the guys. They say there's only one state, and it's the Free states, not the United <laughs> States. <laughs> um, anyway, so that's, hey, that's what people in Texas say. say yeah, well. exactly. <laughs> yeah. So so, anyways, when we moved to Bloemfontein, um, I was I was ten years old, and and I joined the Free State uh, Golf Foundation, trying to make their uh, their state team, um, but. At the age of 10, my dad also, we decided that I was not going to tee off from the ladies anymore. So at the age of 10, I started teeing off men's only. Um, and one big thing was, at that time, my dad didn't want to buy me a driver. Um, he said, well, well, there's your clubs. Um, three wood is the max that was in the bag. And that's what you've got. Um, so I, I, I was 10 years old teeing off with the three wood from the men's. Um, so I think that whole thing I just try to keep up and hit it as far as possible and and also I just I was nowhere close to the the um the other guys I was no nowhere close but I was just trying to get closer and closer and closer so mm. when I started playing for free State I had the option of playing under 10 which is um, from the 150s like shortened field or courses Um and then my, my dad said, no, um, we will start you off at under 15. So I skipped under 10, under 13, and I went to under 15 because we made the decision that I'm playing off the men's. So still that time, I was really short. I eventually got a drive-in. I was still pretty short, but I was getting closer to the... Um, I was playing against guys four years older and double my size. Um, and then when I went to high school... Um, Obviously, I got proper golf sets by then um, with full drivers and and whatever. And then one thing I would remember, obviously, grade grade 8, which is the first year of high school for us, um, the ball started going a little further um, because I was 14. So I was actually at the under 15 age. Um, And then one year, uh, I was grade 9, so 15 years old. That's when I realized, listen, why is it going a little further? Um, so I think the whole the whole mix of not having a driver and trying to compete with guys older and just trying to mm-hmm. rip it. Yeah. Um, everything has its part in. Um, I definitely think that has a big part in why my ball goes a little further.
0: Yeah, right. and there's, awesome. a, there's there's a great story um, that I heard when I was caddying in Maine last year for my brother. And we were at lunch with a few guys, and this one guy starts talking. He played at uh, the Congree tournament where you got to come and play. Yeah. And he was in your group, and he was telling us. We were like, "Hey, you know how far does Vilco actually hit it? Like, you know, because Bryson hits it far, uh, Dustin hits it far. There's a lot of guys that hit it far." And he literally sat there for a good ten to fifteen minutes and just said, "Guys, he would he would line up and." Myself and my caddy would look at each other like there's no way. He's going to hit a push cut over here to the fairway. (laughs) And then you would hit it, and it would go out into the fairway, and then he would hit his, and then you'd be 80 yards in front of him. And he was just in awe. And, I mean, I know watching on Twitter that whole week and just watching drive after drive, I was in awe. But he said in in person it was just an absolute joke. The lines that you were taking Uh, and the the velocity. What was that? Was that Zach that told you the story? Yeah, it was. <laughs> he was just mind blown. <laughs> wow. It, it yeah, was something was... to
2: behold because the third guy in the group was uh, <laughs> legendary Swedish player Carl Peterson, and Carl, I mean, for those, I mean, he hits it, you know, maybe two seventy, <laughs> but he and he, hit, he does hit it straight, and he's got a a sharp uh, wedge game. But uh, it was something to behold. I'm pretty sure uh, that I, I read
0: the other day that your like average ball speed is one ninety three. Does that sound right?
1: yeah i am um, it's gone down a little bit um so it is it is between 193 and 195. um yeah but, because at uh,
0: Congre didn't you top out like 200 plus wasn't it like 205. yeah or i got
1: i mean i on, on tour we don't have on european tour we don't have track every round but it was quite nice because i was below the radar the first round mm-hmm. um, and then i just after the first round i had a solid first round for my first PJ tour event. So it was a big deal for me um, I had a nice, I think I shot three under or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I switched on my phone, it was just exploding <laughs> um, with videos and screenshots And because they've got trackmans in every single hole. And I got, I think a couple of times, I had over 200 on the course um, ball speed. So um, I think for that, that first round, I think Nori, you can remember in the second round, there was a little bit more, um, of a vibe and a, and a hype around um, <laughs> so i enjoyed my first round of of being under the radar
2: that's and, awesome and- I, I mean and jason i can tell you that so Volker and i had met uh pretty much just you know through our little uh, whatsapp and and zoom bible study in the midst of covid mm-hmm. and uh and then you know so we've gotten to know each other we, we've been facetiming we're zooming uh, we know we have a lot of mutual friends, all of this, but we, I've never really seen him play. I've, uh, we have a mutual friend who plays golf. He's, he's on the team at Mississippi State, and, and he hits it a long way. And oh, he, yeah. Are we talking about he, Ruan? Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and Ruan Ron, Ron, Ron hits it a very long way. And so Volker and Ron grew up together. And so when Ruan when came here and we we're like, man, you hit it a long way, he goes, yeah, sure. but." I have a friend who hits it even further. This was just like <laughs> when Volko was coming up and we just kind of said, no, there's no chance. And then uh, Volko went and played uh, a tournament in, in George, which is uh, for the, for, just for reference, that's where the, the president's cup was held in 2003 at fan court where uh, Gary and, and Jack shared the cup uh, in the dark. Uh, that's kind of what it's um, I guess, you know, remembered for yeah. but at that same uh, in that same area at the same places where Volker won his European tour event and my, my parents went and watched and my dad called me back and he's like listen I've seen a lot of people hit we've seen Tigerhead I mean he's just like this is ridiculous and so I have this thing in my mind of going you know I have an idea and so I would eventually to Congaree when Volker came over to go watch it and I just go man this is really ridiculous so I had the same sense of awe <laughs> even as a friend just going man like you know, we have a lot of friends Incredible. who are good at golf, but it's not always as fun to watch. You uh-huh. know, a lot of them just plod around the fairway and 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 shoot sixty five. But there's sometimes, uh, you know, it is fun, and I can I, I see why the golf tours want to want to see the guys vomit it uh, because it's 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 fun to see. It's it's a spectator's game at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, and so, Volker, maybe let's uh, you know that's the golf side of things. Maybe last question bef- before we move on regarding golf is just, do you have any thoughts for coaches, parents? Um, you know, what do you do on a weekly basis? Do you care about, uh, you know, we talk about ball speed, we talk about swing speed, all these kind of things. Uh, it seems like that the game is getting so technical. Uh, do you have any thoughts just regarding that and, and what, what you do, maybe you don't have to give advice to what other people should do, but kind of what's your philosophy regarding that and how much emphasis do you put on that? Because, You know, I know that a lot of parents probably might listen to this and go, "All right, let me just go see where my kid's driver is. Pull that out. Make sure he's got a solid three wood in there. And uh, if he's a young kid, make sure he goes to the back tee. You know. So so yeah, what's uh, you know maybe just a thought regarding that?
1: I think I think one big thing, um, like through the whole story I shared, that stands out uh, for me is if you if you're really young, like uh, if your kid is just starting to play. And, you know, as a parent, you know something about golf. Um, I don't think you need to send him to the best coach um, and spend a lot of money. Um, If you want, then fine. But um, I do think if you can get him to just make contact with the golf ball and he can figure it out himself, um, that'll help him. Um, And then just let him try and hit it. that really helps because sometimes if you get really technical with a guy that's eight years old, he's not going to understand everything. You're going to show him the moves, but unless he's really intelligent, and I'm not saying your kid is <laughs> not intelligent, but um, he's not going to understand it. So yeah. um, just, just let him play. Um, mm-hmm. And then also let him play all sports. Don't force him into one sport because that's what you want him to play mm-hmm. um, or her to play. Um I I see a lot of my friends that that were forced into just playing golf, took out of school, uh, or they were taken out of school, um, did homeschooling, and um, unfortunately, they're struggling at the moment. Um, And in a way, that takes away the whole social side of things as well, if if you're just at home the whole time. Um, So that's one thing. Um, And then if you are one of my one of my swing thoughts when I really want to hit it a long Mm. way is, and this is for for anyone, is try and hit the golf ball far on the downswing. Don't try and hit it far on the backswing. Um, Mm. Because some people think as soon as you, I'm going to rip this thing, they go so quickly um, that there is no um, stability and there is no, if you want to call it slot, when everything's out of sync. Um, Mm. That's probably the that's one for upcoming, and there's one for people that, um, has already, that that knows the game already.
0: Those are really good. And I, the one about playing other sports is so good. Because in the States, it's pretty normal to, you're going to play baseball because you're good at baseball. You're going to play football because you're good at football. You're going to play golf because you're good at golf. But like you were saying, though, golf is such a lonely sport. And when you're only doing that and you are and it's not going well, it's such a pit that you can find yourself in, but if you have an outlet to be able to play with your friends, you know, soccer, yeah. or football, or whatever it is, like it's such a good outlet as a as a kid to do those things. So yeah. that's some, that's some good One, some, good one, stuff. one
1: thing. Um, and Nori, you will know the the school systems in South Africa, and um, that I really really like is, um, we've got, like at, at Gray, grade the school I went to, you you have to do. a a summer sport and a winter sport okay? okay and and growing up doing a summer sport and a winter sport like athletics would be start of the year swimming would be start of the year so that gets you fit for rugby which is the winter sport and everything just follows on each other and that just helps you in as a as a really young kid it helps you actually know about discipline being part of teams um and it just really helps the whole thing if you want to do whatever, um, if that that's makes good. any
2: sense. That's good. That's very good. Um, yeah, that's phenomenal. I love that. Okay. So let's, let's transition into um, telling, you know, at the end of the day, uh, CGF and, and this podcast uh, really represents golf life and faith. We kind of covered the golf part of, of this conversation. So I would, I would like to go into the, the life and, and the faith aspect uh and just hear for one your story tell us um, a little bit of just your background growing up regarding your faith um regarding uh you know your relationship with jesus at the end of the day and, and so um and then kind of how that's grown into what it is today and then we can we can talk about our uh, our little retreat that we're about to do in south africa so mm-hmm. maybe yeah, yeah just share with us uh your story um your faith story yeah.
1: so um, I'm not sure about, about other countries, but I've got a feeling that growing up in South Africa in a small, small town in the community is really close. Um, a normal thing is everyone goes to church on Sunday, um, as an example. Um, so you grow up um, in mostly a Christian household, um, or at least I did. Um, so looking at examples that my, my father and my mom that um, they set based on Christianity, um, is how it all started. Um, we'd have Bible study as a family, um, and it's not. In a way, it's. It sounds forced when you when you're really young, but, in a way, you do it as a family. So you're listening to what your parents say. We're gonna have time together, and it is. It is always. It's not just bible um it's if it's a story then it always comes back to believing and having faith um, so i'm really fortunate and we're really fortunate me and my sisters um growing up in the household we did um, very very lucky to have the parents that i do um, and that's how it started um, we were a really close family as well um, so we would always share stories and always um just when we went to the same school back then, um, we'd have at least dinner together because um, we've spoken about it in Bible study, uh, Nori. There's something so special about when you actually sit around a dining table or sit around a table and have food together as friends or a family. Yeah. Um, and we always try to do that. Um, and then obviously, when you've got your, your own uh, responsibilities, it gets tough, but that's how it started for me. Um, growing up, um, the schools, yeah, mostly are also based on, on, on Christian values. And when you go to assembly, um, you there's, they open, like they read Bible before you start and, and they pray and you sing a few songs. Um, so you are exposed to that. Um, but that all sounds okay that that is how it is, but there is also the other side. There's, there's also guys that just don't want to be part of it. Um, and it's pretty easy. I've seen a lot of guys fall into that. Um, and, and obviously I've fallen into some of the traps as well. Uh, I'm not saying it's just been smooth sailing all the time, but um, we make mistakes um, and I, I'm just trying to keep on learning. And then obviously everything went, went on and then covered it, something that um, no one expected. No, not, no one can actually um, encounter or whatever the word is. No one can know that that was going to happen. No one mm-hmm. did know that that was going to happen. Um, and then I got a message from, uh, I think it was Martin Foster, one of my friends that had also, he just turned pro as well, um, saying that um, he's got a friend uh, that wants to start a Bible study group because we're not doing anything. Um, you can't go out of your house. Nothing, um, and that was obviously you, and Nori, um, and that's how we got to know each other. And um, yeah, it's just been, just just been listening to to each other and having Bible study and, and praying and just spending time with with the Lord um, is what I try to do.
2: Yeah, do you feel do you feel like there was a moment, you know, for um, some of us, like you said, not for everybody, but for 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 some of us, maybe grow up in a Christian environment. Um, jace for reference uh, we have public schools where the bible is still opened uh, which is kind of a rare very rare thing i mean in this day and age uh, we yeah. value religious freedom but that comes at a certain cost uh, in America where you want to be uh, courteous to everybody and so therefore they take it all out because if we don't satisfy one group you know we offend the other type of thing and so all that to say it's, it's kind of a rare deal to grow up in a, in a school environment where, you know, uh, there's still a a value of who God is, uh, what he, and what He's done through through Jesus. And so, um, Volker, what do you feel like over the last couple of years? At what point um, do you think maybe uh, the faith that you have uh, became your own? Mm-hmm. You know, like you said, you've you've you were fortunate, like many, uh, or I shouldn't say like many, probably like a smaller group of people that that had parents who set an example and praise God for that. I think that's you know not everybody's story. It seems like a lot of people have to go to the bottom of the valley before they, they get on their knees. And so Mm -hmm. uh, for you who have seen that example and have lived in an environment of Christianity and faith, at what point did that become personal to you? Because it's easy to put on the facade and it's easy to, you know, do the right thing and say the right thing. But at at a certain point in your life, that kind of has to go to your own heart because like you over the last three or four years now have, gone into this world of pro golf and so all of a sudden the faith that your parents had wasn't yours and so you had to lean on what you have Mm -hmm. Uh, and so you know when did that become personal for you
1: yeah so the the way i grew up um with the values and stuff is obviously mostly based and probably all are based on uh christianity and then going out in COVID and, and starting to travel, um, you see that other guys or other people um, they're not exposed to that and and they don't really care. They don't want to be exposed to that. They don't really. They they just feel well. They just want to YOLO and just live life and have fun and and things like that. And um, I I soon realized that um, my values differed from most. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and sometimes right in the beginning it was really tough because um, you'd be in conversation with, with guys or, or friends or people and, and the things they talk about is, is not really things that you want to know about mm-hmm. um, or actually think is right um, but not that it makes me the person that can say it's right or wrong but um, it just... The way I felt about it just clashed. Um, so I then realised that the world is is tough. Um, it it is really harsh. Um, it is most of the time it feels unfair. Um, and then one thing I really did um, was just making sure I kept in touch with. My my friends, my family, my girlfriend, you, Nori. Um, when it gets tough to make sure you've got the people there to help you. Um, mm. but one thing I realized when when COVID hit, and I've got to be away from home for five months because I can't come back to SA because we redlisted and I wouldn't be able to travel back out, is you've got to do it for yourself now. Um you You grew up or I grew up in this household, but it's my life now. And, um, my, my parents, um, have to accept what, what choices I want to make. Um, but the choices I want to make is being a Christian and living to the values. And Mm. it is sometimes super tough. Um, but it is, it's really, it becomes really personal when you know you're doing something wrong and, um, it's not your parents actually calling me and said, listen, I thought, I think you made a mistake. Um, mm-hmm. so it feels like I grew up really quickly. Um, since I turned pro cause doing everything alone, mm-hmm. um, and being alone, um, sometimes you feel empty and, and you've got to not feel empty. And and one really easy way is by spending time with the Lord. Um, and, um, I, I'm honest when I say I struggle to read, um, not just the Bible, I struggle to read, mm-hmm. I just struggle to open a book and read. Um, so what I do is I, I try to listen to podcasts, and um, I, I enjoy it when we chat about stuff. Um, and I really enjoy listening to gospel music um, mm-hmm. when I'm in a hotel room because sometimes when you're in a hotel room for for three months in a row, no getting out of it. Um, it starts it starts to feel like the five or five or six walls around you start talking to you. Um, <laughs> and that's crazy, and it sounds crazy, but it it's it true. gets tough. Um, and mm-hmm. it's, it's something that no one really you couldn't account for what's what's going to happen. I I remember um getting out on the second flight with COVID, so I was home for about two and a half months side lockdown and they announced the schedule and my manager said, well, I've got to get out, um, to the UK. So if there's an opportunity to play, I'm there as a reserve, whatever it may be. I wasn't sure if I'm going to play because I didn't have good status back then. Um, and I remember waking up and I flew via Dubai. And I remember waking up on that one flight and I just started to cry. Um, because I I didn't know what I was going for. Um, I knew I was going for golf, but I didn't know when. I didn't know if I was going for nothing, um, if I was actually going to get a chance to play. Um, and just, just knowing that you're doing things and things would happen the way it should. I'm a firm believer of if it should happen or if it has to happen, it will happen. Um, and I just kept that in the back of my mind. And and that's only a thing, or that is not only a thing. I'm pretty sure you can have that as a thought if you're not a Christian. But I, I believe you in the right place at the right time. Um, and like this is this is my last example. Yesterday, um, I had a really really emotional afternoon. Um, I, I, I went or I came home from the golf course, um, and we've got a thing in South Africa called load shedding. Okay. So um, daily our electricity would just go off for two hours, three hours. Okay. So yesterday I sent my sister a message. I said to her, have you had lunch? Um, and she said, yes, because I was wondering, should I bring lunch for her or, or whatever? Um, and she said, just remember there's load shedding at two. So 2 PM. And that was then uh, 20 minutes. Uh, before too Um, and then I realized well I was there's nothing at home I I won't be able to prepare something for me at home Um, I'll have to stop and get something Um, and we've got a franchise yeah it's like a healthy food shop uh, called Okay, so it's like really healthy wraps or uh, poke bowls or whatever Um, and I enjoy the spicy chicken Caesar wrap Okay, I enjoy that so I decided, well, but I'm going to go to Kauai. And I was like, well, I'm not in the mood to stop and look for parking. So maybe I'll just stop at, at the village just outside the state we live and get some sushi because I got good sushi. But I wasn't in the mood for sushi. So I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I wasn't really hungry. Um, but I had to eat because I'm trying to actually pick up weight. Okay. That's another <laughs> thing. Okay. So turns out last minute decision. Um, shopping center on my left with Kauai, boom, I'm in, okay. So whenever I go there, I phone and say, can I have this? And I'll collect it. And then I arrive, I pay, I get my stuff and I leave. So the first time yesterday, I went in um, and I went there and ordered and I sat outside waiting for my order. Okay, first time. Okay. And I looked to my left and there's a, a young guy and he asked me, um, can I have a minute of your time so I said yeah sure because I'm on my phone um, and he, start, he starts off in a way that he he can't really he doesn't know how to approach me um, so he starts off and he says um, I'm a runner I run for South Africa okay um, but I lost my sponsor about a month ago and um, he was in a car crash so Nori would know there's many that, that come up with stories just to get stuff from you. Um, but this one seems legit. And for some reason, I've just got the feeling that I had to be there for some other reason. Um, and he says, well, he's got a race in Stellenbosch this weekend, um, but he doesn't have the funds to go. So I asked him, how much do you need? And he says, well... Total is 4,400 rand, which is about, let's say, $200, okay? Uh, Or no, $250. And he says, but the only thing he needs, he only, he shorts 120 rand. 120 rand is what, Nori? Uh,
2: Yeah, like nothing.
1: 10, not even $10? Yeah. Okay. He missed his bus to go to, uh, because he couldn't afford it to go to Stellenbosch yesterday morning. Um, so he takes out, and I, I asked him, so why does the SA running not pay for it? So he's. it's exactly like the golf. They don't pay for local events. They only, when you go overseas as a team, they pay. And I've got no cash on me, um, and turns out he sits down, takes out, he, he's got a little backpack. In the backpack, he's got two... Um, little newspapers where he's on the on the um, front page of the newspaper with all his medals and um, whatever his name was um, going to Brazil for South Africa and it's all legit and I'm starting to really I, I'm starting to become quite emotional because this is super sad I mean this guy needs eight dollars and he just wants he just wants to go compete that's all he wants he just wants to go compete Anyways, so I say to him, well, just give me a moment. So I went to the ATM and I drew 500 Rand, which is $25. Okay. And I gave him $25. I gave it to him. And he doesn't even look at it. He just says, thank you very much. And I said to him, well, there's 500 Rand. And when he heard that I gave him 500 Rand and not 120, the look in his face was... Just super sad. Um, When when I gave that to him, he he almost started crying. Um, He he couldn't be grateful enough um, for it. And he replied, he said, my friend, thank you so much. Now I can actually get something to eat as well because he's not trying to spend money because he just wants to get on the bus. Um, Mm -hmm. And this is a long story to get to the point where I feel like um, we know when we've got to be we'll be where we need to be when we need to be there if that makes any sense Yeah, that's
2: amazing that's awesome
1: and, and yesterday then I got in the car and um, the next song on my uh, on my phone was um, Victory is Yours um, which is a gospel uh, a Christian song yeah, yeah. and I just started crying um, that's awesome because this guy all he wants 120 rand to compete and everyone is moaning in the world because of nothing right this guy just wants 120 rand and he doesn't even want anything else just to compete that's
2: Um, amazing that's awesome yeah, yeah yesterday
1: was that was quite um i don't know why i turned off to go to that shopping center
0: anyways that's awesome uh, you know like why you <laughs> are you know why yeah yeah But yeah.
2: yeah. well, i mean and to that point Volko, i think that you know you could probably i mean we could have a whole podcast on the fact of just how difficult you know tour life is to an mm-hmm. extent when you travel and you're by yourself but there are those moments when you go man you know what i have is really a gift and it's really a uh it's not nothing to complain about if you start comparing yourself to what could be Mm-hmm. way worse you know and so that kind of yeah. uh, at times times could be good reminders of just being you know thankful
0: yeah, uh, yeah. and w- one last them. thing before we kind of start wrapping it up to hit on something you said there in the middle talking about who you surround yourself with your friends those that are pouring into you uh, our staff guy one of our staff guys in nashville william kane just started a podcast with ben crane and webb simpson called the Bible Caddy, and they're walking through these interactions with Jesus in the book of Luke. And one of them is, uh, the story of the paralytic in Luke five. And there's so much to be found in this, like in that episode where William breaks it down. But the one thing I always think about in this story is that the paralytics friends in their faith brings him in front of Jesus. And I'm like, man, I long for friends, and I have some friends like that, that I know that would bring me in front of Jesus to be healed. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing in your everyday life. Like, It's not even this big miracle scene. It's just like when you're on the road and you're lonely, you need those, those people that have strong faith, that are in the Word, that the Word's in them, and mm-hmm. they can be around you, and they can pour that life into you. Because life's hard. Life is not easy. You're going to face tribulation. You're going to face struggles and all these different things and you can go one or two ways with that you can believe the lies and you can go into that that dark hole or you can have people that pour life into you mm-hmm. and that is so important and it's pretty sweet to kind of hear your story and kind of get a glimpse behind the curtains for you and the fact that Nori's on your team and he's in your like in your corner with you means that you're headed in the right direction so,
2: mm. so Volko, maybe to that end, as we wrap up, uh, we've got a fun little event coming up. Um, obviously, I'm from South Africa and the guys that I work with, Volko, you don't know this, but I work with, you know, 30 guys all over the country. And whenever we get together, uh, it seems like the one thing on my mind every time we get together is I keep telling them just how amazing wow. South Africa is. And, uh <laughs> And every South African that I tell that to, they're like, "Yeah, it is. That's the way it is. It's amazing, you know." <laughs> so yeah. We all tend to be pretty proud people of our country, and you know, we we at times hurt for uh, the challenges that you face as a third world country, and and you know, things like load shedding when you don't have electricity or or, or the water gets cut out and things like that. You know, it tends to. To, to be a challenge, but yet even in the midst of that, people go, yeah, well, it's still worth it. You know, we'll deal with that and the slow <laughs> Wi-Fi and all the other hassles that it comes with. But the beauty and the culture and the food and the people uh, is just different. And so I've obviously always had a, a huge heart uh for any of my foreign brothers who come play college golf. Uh, who I just, you know, we just walk a different walk coming from a different country when your parents put you on a flight for, you know, 16 hours and you, you don't know where you're going. I mean, I was reflecting on that with this whole citizenship thing, just going, man, I remember the first day I set foot in, uh, in Wichita, Kansas. I mean, can you imagine, you know, it's, it is the furthest thing from home you can ever imagine. It's so
0: funny how Kansas kind of does that though. Cause my, one of my best friends, Vitor, he's Brazilian and he came to play tennis and he ended up in Kansas and he's like, Oh, Kansas, it's going to be great. And then it's I
2: and all then, the americans know like let's just not go it's too cold Norik, i
1: wonder why nori i wonder why nori compared
0: bloomfontein to kansas
2: <laughs> oh because it's cold and flat and it gets really hot in the summertime
0: but then i met another kid at a retreat this summer and i was like oh and he, and he was from columbia i'm like oh where are you playing golf he's like kansas and i'm like oh, oh yeah, God, yeah <laughs> i'm sorry there
2: you go <laughs> So anyway, with that being said, we're going to host a retreat. We'll go uh, in George uh, this December, right before uh, the Christmas, or right before Christmas during the Christmas holiday, which for us is our South African summer holiday. And so I'm very excited for us to do that and and potentially start uh, doing some things on the Sunshine European tour. And so we're you know hoping and praying for neat opportunities so if you're listening to this as a as a college golfer in South Africa or you're a, a golfer in in South Af- or I should say if you're a South African golfer here in America or if you're in South Africa please reach out to me uh look us up on our Instagram jace i guess that's probably the best point of contact or just the yeah. website uh, collegegolfers.com but please sign up uh, we would love to to meet anyone who's interested and and we're going to have a great time um you can go on our website to look for uh, more info yeah. on what the retreat will be, uh, what, Boko, what it look Just like. a,
0: a testament to this and you kind of hosting this. I mean, I know Nori's told you this. This is our first international retreat mm. and it is a answer to prayer that yeah. has been being prayed for years. Yeah, And so the fact that this is happening, isn't a small thing. Like this is yeah. exciting. Um, so if you can like, like Nori's saying, if you want to be a part of it, whether you're a, United States citizen golfer that wants to come and travel to South Africa to go to the retreat or you're a South African who's here or your home, uh, we would love for any college golfer to be a part of it because uh, it's gonna be special. It's gonna yeah, be special. I mean, that's
2: how it happened for me, Jays I, I came here and uh, I had a roommate uh, who's, uh, or a housemate who's now uh, a college coach, Stephen Payne, he's a coach at Augusta State University. And he just said, hey, we can go to Davis Love's house, do Bible studies for three days, play golf and it's free. And now if you know, most South Africans, whenever they hear something is free, uh, <laughs> they'll, take you on, they'll, ta- they'll take you <laughs> up on that. You know, we often joke about this because in America there's, there's just, this friendly culture of, hey, yeah, you should come visit me at my lake house, you know, but they just kind of say that. And if you say that to a South African, you better know you're going to get a phone call within the next week or two to go to the <laughs> hey, lake house, boys. you know, because hey, you said it. So, <laughs> so we're going to take you up on it. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, that's kind of we ended up going to uh, our now staff guy, Jason Alvarez retreat up in, uh, in Happy Camp, California, trying to spot Bigfoot uh, living under stars for three days. And, and, uh, man, it was life-changing for all of us. We all have, uh, friends who to, to this day, we're still friends. And so that's kind of how all that happened. But I was one of the South African kids who didn't, you know, who at that particular, uh, summer stayed, uh, here in the States, but most often, uh, you know, South African kids listening to this will know you go home. So you don't get the opportunity to, to go to a retreat, um, at one of our pga tour guys places or whatever and so this is a, a huge opportunity and a, and a great way to get connected with guys who are in your shoes because you might be a south african golfer here in the states but you don't know any other south african golfers in the states or mm-hmm. you don't know that i live in atlanta and i have a guest room for you to come stay in you know so it's yeah. it's just kind of one of those things it's a small world but uh um, yeah it's so a huge deal
1: nori i just think um to make Make the SA guys, if they come over, feel more at home. You've got to work on your South
2: African accent. Oh, man. Don't even, <laughs> don't even, don't even, start.
1: Just to remind everyone that you are
2: South well, African. I am, but you know, now at least I can say I am officially a citizen, uh, quote unquote yeah. redneck. And so, yeah, Oh it's a daily struggle, but let, let's wrap it up, Jace. So you've got a few questions. Yeah, let's do and, some, and, uh, let's do
0: some easy rapid fire questions here uh what is your favorite meal of the day
2: like breakfast
0: lunch breakfast dinner or or what yeah breakfast lunch or dinner
1: uh breakfast
0: okay what's your go-to meal on the road like if you are on the road and you need to pick something up for for a meal what are you gonna eat
1: uh probably
0: something with chicken chicken (laughs) nice 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 Uh, if you could go play any golf course in the world right now, like if you could hop on a jet and fly anywhere and go play, which golf course do you think you'd go play?
1: I'd like to say Augusta, but I'd like to play it the first time I play in the masters. Mm -hmm. Um, so. For some reason I've, I've got this, um, this thing in my mind that I want to go play in El Dorado. Um, uh i think that's in mexico um where i'd I'd like to go play it looks so cool um yeah that's that's probably where i'd like to go i've not been there anyway so i was
0: interested to hear those answers you know from hearing the american guys that all say uh cypress point and then i wanted to hear the south african let
2: let me say what's the what's the best course that you play in europe that nobody really knows about Mm because we're in america we're all used to like Jay said all the courses on the west coast and and whatnot um or you could say pinnacle point in, in muscle <laughs> bay you know <laughs> that's
1: not europe though okay, yeah anywhere uh, in the world
2: other than i should say yeah other than in the u.s
1: i think i think the one i'm going to say people know it um which is leopard creek okay uh, yeah. yeah and it is so cool um it you feel so close to nature um and it it gets quite scary because there's actual <laughs> leopards um, and, and awesome. stuff. But it is so cool. It is really. Nori, have you been? To I have thing? not
2: been. No, but I know wow. it's awesome. Yeah. Sweet,
1: Anyways, yeah. you you'll be yeah. Uh, so you must definitely come to the Daniel end of this year.
2: Yeah,
0: that's yeah. awesome. Well, man, that was great. So last last one. Uh, what is your dream foursome? Like if you could go out mm. and play with like at your home course. We'll just say your home course back home. And who you who are the three that you're taking with you? Dead or alive doesn't uh, matter. Tiger,
1: tiger, uh, my dad, and who? What celebrity would I pick? <laughs> um, probably because it looks like he enjoys golf. Um, maybe Mark Wahlberg.
0: Oh, that's that's what I thought you were gonna say. That's um, cool. Marky Mark because it looks like.
1: He, he enjoys golf, Um, and Gosh, I
0: enjoy that. that
2: I mean, no lie, that would probably be a fun group. That'd be so I mean, good. You, you got the big cat and Marky Mark. I mean, you're set. <laughs> yeah, and your dad. That'd be oh, a good. Man. That'd be a good
0: time. That's awesome. Yeah, well, so. Woko, thank you so much for being yeah. on. Nori, thanks so much for you know assisting and co-hosting this week. Um, Really enjoyed this conversation, and look forward to at some point, you know, maybe at the Masters, meeting you in the next few years. <laughs> That'd be great. Yeah, hopefully. Thanks, guys. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, guys. We'll see you guys next week or next month on the Golf Life Faith Podcast. Thanks for taking the time to listen to the Golf Life Faith Podcast. Whether you're a college golfer, a coach, or you just love golf, we'd love to hear from you. If you have any questions, please email us at podcast at collegegolffellowship.com. Also, check us out on Instagram at collegegolffellowship and on Twitter at CGF Tweet. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast and be on the lookout for the next episode next month. Cheers.